doing the work that I do, I think it would have served me better had at least in my late 20s, you know, college age years leading into my 20s, any sort of talk about breast health, whether it was breast exams, any sort of conversation to ease into an uncomfortable topic, especially because of my family history, I think would have helped me to take charge sooner. Hi, everyone. Welcome to season two. This is Shauna. And this is Rosalina. And we're your hosts for Too Young for This Shit podcast. This podcast is not just about boobs, but a journey with cancer. We are young millennials open about giving you our raw and unfiltered look into our lives. We are in no way medical professionals, nor are we offering medical advice. Any medical references are cited directly from public websites or from our personal diagnosis. Some topics and stories may be triggering to those who are fighting, have fought, or have loved someone with cancer. Hey everyone, this is Rosalina. And this is Shauna. Welcome back to the Too Young for the Ship podcast. I'm so excited to bring on our guest today. Her name is Stephanie Villavicencio. She is a yogi, a surfer, a snowboarder, just an overall athlete. And um, aside from that, she created a community for young women affected by breast cancer, which we'll go on later in this episode. But just an overall introduction. Hi, Stephanie. We're so happy and excited to have you. Yeah, I'm super glad to be here with you this morning and to chat with you and to share and to be here. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So exciting. Before we get into the nitty gritty of just breast cancer and your company and all that, first, we want to get to know you. Can you give us just a short intro about you? What do you want the listeners to know who Stephanie is? So I grew up in South Florida between Miami and Boca Raton. And For the last decade or so, I've been based out of Aspen, Colorado. I am 32 years old. I am a snowboard instructor here in Aspen. I teach yoga and host retreats, and I am the founder of Tootsie for Breast Cancer. And if somebody were to describe me overall, um, it would be a surfer. I definitely um, lead that lifestyle and... Um, from that, I've become an avid snowboarder and more of a mountain athlete. I love mountain biking, hiking, stand-up paddleboarding, climbing. And then on the more creative side, I um, play the acoustic guitar. I really like to read and write, and um, I'm really into cooking and baking. This is all amazing things. Yeah, I've been you know, kind of following you on, on Instagram, and you just I feel like you lead so many lives. It's like... You're surfing. You're yes. yeah. I, it's like I've been watching you, and I'm just like I just want to. I want to like live your life for just like a week. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. <laughs> I feel like you know I try to be active and an athlete, but you take it on a whole nother level, and you're so inspiring. Love seeing all the content that you post on Instagram. Thank you. Before we get into tits deep. For breast cancer, I want to take the listeners back to your early childhood and then up to your adulthood and how breast cancer has been affected in your life. Stephanie, 
from our discussion, you were only two years old when your mother died from breast cancer at 33. At that age, did you understand what happened to your mom? And I guess when you got older, maybe between, I don't know, let's just say five to 10 years old, did you have any education on breast health? So I was so young that I really lacked the awareness of what was happening around me. And it would probably take a few more years for me to even understand what cancer was and that that's what took my mom away. All I knew was that she was gone and kind of just continued to live my life a little bit differently than everybody around me. In terms of breast health and breast education, nobody really spoke about it with me, especially not in my adolescence. And it wouldn't be until about age 23 that it was even put on my radar when two of my older female family members came out to me and said, hey, promise me you'll get a mammogram. And I was kind of like a deer in the headlights. It was the first time that anybody expressed concern about my personal breast cancer family history. I didn't even have insurance. So when I tried to find financial assistance, there was nothing available to me. And I just brushed it off until my late 20s when it kind of came back a relevance and something that I should um, really think about for my, my health. Did you think that when you're young, like no one wanted to tell you or it was just like they just didn't want to talk about it at all? Like, have you had that conversation with your family about that? No, it was kind of like my mom passed away. Let's figure out how to get through it and give the kids a good life and move on from it. So nobody even really talked about my mom growing up or what happened, let alone breast cancer and how I should look after my own body. Yeah, yeah, that that is so tough. You know, when you got older and you were 23 years old and then all of a sudden just randomly <laughs> your family members is like, promise me you get a mammogram. And you're like, okay, wait, <laughs> no one told me this right. before. And also it's at the time when you didn't have any health insurance, which – I totally like relate to you because I also didn't as well. I think I had like student health insurance at the time in college, but then even after I graduated, like I didn't have any health insurance for about like two to three years. It's tough. I had an aunt that died of metastatic breast cancer. And I remember I was in my early twenties when this happened and my dad really pushed for genetic testing. It was just like, you know, we didn't get you and your sister checked out. And I mean, that was in my early 20s too. And I was kind of like, this really doesn't apply to me. This wasn't my mom. Like, even though, yeah, I was like my maternal aunt, but I almost feel like it didn't apply to me, you know, at the time. Do you wish that maybe people were talking about it to you like in your teen years that you could have just almost prepared yourself? Like, oh, like, you know, maybe I'll start doing breast exams earlier or, you know, start going to the doctor and like talking about getting genetic testing or anything like that. Looking back and now, um, doing the work that I do, I think it would have served me better had at least in my late 20s, you know, college age years leading into my 20s, any sort of talk about breast health, whether it was breast exams, any sort of conversation to ease into an uncomfortable topic, especially because of my family history, I think would have helped me to take charge sooner and feel more comfortable about 
the conversations with doctors or medical centers rather than waiting until my late 20s to start figuring it out on my own. In August of 2021, you had a vulnerable chat with your mother's close friend. In this special moment, what were you feeling? What did you learn about your mother? I was pretty sensitive that day. And I remember I even rolled out my yoga mat and sat on the floor. I feel really comfortable in that space and had the conversation there. The thing about best friends is they know us more intimately almost than even our siblings who I'm really close with. But there's things you share with a best friend. And so being able to talk to her about my mom, it was really special. It was really in-depth. And it showed me the love my mom had for me. To hear it from her best friend, it was really quite um, mind-blowing. Yeah. Some of the things I learned are things that I've never found out about in my whole life. And so then here I am, age 31, having this conversation. It was really quite profound. There's uh, three small stories that really stood out to me. And one of them was, I remember her saying, your mom was so strong after her double mastectomy, which she had recently given birth. My uh, little brother was still a few months old. She refused strong pain meds and only took ibuprofen just so she could be more present with my little brother. Oh my gosh, yeah. Another story that really woke me up, especially seeing how many young women or young people are affected by breast cancer. My mom finally told her best friend about the lump on her breast. So her best friend goes, Robin, you really need to go get that checked out. And my mom says, I know what they'll do if I go get it checked out. This is when she was still pregnant with my brother. Her best friend kind of tricked her into coming to her annual checkup with her gyno. <laughs> but hey, Robin, <laughs> I really need some support. Will you just come with me and sit in the lobby? And when her best friend was visiting with the doctor, she goes, hey, uh, Robin's out there in the lobby. He's got a lump on her breast. Will you please check it out? And so then they swapped places. When the doctor gave her an exam, immediately sent her to further testing. So that just shows you the fear around young women and breast cancer and yep. not knowing how to go about it. And yep. sometimes it, it is too late. And then the third story that I think stood out to me the most is surrounding how people are so quick to judge the people around them. This was in the early 90s. I assume it was not as open to be bald in public as a woman. Wigs were definitely more encouraged. And so my mom was basically like, screw this wig. I have cancer. I'm going out to lunch with my best friend. And she got it from the table. She walked to the restroom. This was in Miami. And there was a group of guys that she walked by. And the guys go, who does she think she is, Miss America? My mom overheard it. She said, listen, you motherfuckers, I have cancer, you fucking asshole, and walked away, went back to the table, was bawling, and her best friend was like, what's wrong? And they left, Um, and that really left an impression on me. I mean, what a badass. Yeah. (laughs) I also would have made like a way bigger scene. I feel like I would have been cursing all the way out of there. (laughs) Some people really do just have some nerve. Well, also, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think back in the 90s, like it was you as like shameful, I think, going in public bald, where nowadays you just see so many women like on Instagram, just out in public, just rocking it or just wearing like a scarf over their head, you know, but essentially like, you know, it it wasn't seen as like, quote unquote, normal back in the days to 
just rock a bald head. Yeah, it was almost like he wanted to hide that he had cancer. I want to give so much kudos to your mom's best friend, though. Like, she took it a whole nother level as a friend to make sure that your mom got checked out. I feel like there's not a lot of friends that do that, <laughs> let's be honest. And your mom's best friend was incredible to do that. And it's incredible that you guys keep in touch and, and talk and she keeps your mom's memory alive, especially, you know, at two, I don't know how many memories you do have of your mom. And I think that that's super special and important. Now that you're also like approaching the age that she was, it's like nice to kind of get a glimpse into who she was, you know, especially like at almost at the age that you are now. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, we wouldn't have had the conversation if tits deep didn't exist. That was really the avenue to even approach my mom's best friend and ask her those questions. From August to October, during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, you did a motherfucking thing. You got a mammogram, showed up for yourself, got your tits checked. You mentioned how difficult it was for you to schedule a mammogram appointment. Can you walk us through the difficulties of getting an appointment as someone with a family history of breast cancer? So it's just ironic that I started getting my checkups in October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So that is even more encouraging for me. And you would assume that having a family history and your physician being aware of it, that the steps to get a mammogram would be pretty straightforward. So here I am, naive 29-year-old stuff, and I called the diagnostic center nearest me. And I innocently say, hey, I would like to schedule my mammogram appointment. And the lady on the other line says, all right, well, you're under 40. You need a referral from your doctor. So I hang up. I call my doctor's office. They say, no problem. We might not be able to send it today. I'm pretty sure I had a follow-up with them two or three days later to make sure they sent it because they forgot to call me back. Then I call my diagnostic center. And I say, hey, my doctor should have sent a referral. I'd like to schedule my appointment. And a different lady on the phone kind of barks at me um, because I told her my age. And she said, why do you need a mammogram? And <laughs> I'm already, like, kind of on edge trying fuck? to do this whole, this whole thing. And all of a sudden, this lady's Jeez. giving me attitude just because I'm not 40. And I said, hey, well, my mom died of breast cancer. I was just very straight up with her. And she kind of quieted down a bit and felt a little bad and I felt really bad so anyways I got my appointment in the books I think it was probably two weeks from that call I go driving to the diagnostic center feeling a little bit nervous because of my first mammogram and even one of my girlfriends came with me as a support and I get there to check in and they say we don't have your doctor's referral and I'm like okay well can we call my doctor and get it sent over? It just turns out that that specific day, my doctor's office was closed. The only thing they could do was turn me away, which was really frustrating. So I got turned away until they received the referral. And then I was able to make an appointment for another two weeks out. I get my mammogram. The technician lets me know that because I'm under 40, I might have dense breast tissue and the radiologist might order an ultrasound. And they did, and that was probably five days later. It wasn't covered by my insurance. I didn't feel comfortable with the out-of-pocket cost. In the end, after all yeah. of that, I actually didn't 
follow through. So I didn't get the mammogram results. And instead, I went and got a thermography, which I know is understudied in the scientific world. So it's just kind of crazy how you go through all these loops to end up back where you started. I would say even just hearing the process that you had to go through to schedule a mammogram. You know, if I was in your position, I'll probably be like, forget it. (laughs) This this is too hard. I can't like schedule a fucking doctor's appointment. (laughs) Like this is like, it shouldn't be that way at all. (laughs) Exactly. And I think a lot of people too, after going to the doctor and not even having the referral, I think a lot of women would have been like, fuck it. Like, you know, we'll try again next year. We'll try again another time. Like, I think that that's where like a lot of people just stop and give up. And then you you see numbers, you know, you see the numbers of what it's going to cost to have a have a sonogram done. And it, you're already going into this being like nervous and feel like you're on top of it. But still, like there is like an underlining nervousness that maybe this could end up being something. Then now you see a number that's like probably what into a thousand dollars between a thousand fifteen hundred dollars for an ultrasound, give or take. And that I would be like, no, I'm not doing it either. Like this is preventative, right? Like I wouldn't do it either. And I think that that prevents a lot of women from going the full route of getting checked and, and actually following through. I think you just um, highlighted <laughs> the new definition of preventative for women under 40. It's almost like yeah. we're being prevented from taking preventative measures on our breast health. Exactly. You had someone in your family, your mom, who is diagnosed with breast cancer. Like. Isn't that enough to get them to want to check you? Like, I just completely don't understand this whole fucking process. It frustrates me, actually, because, you know, we're here advocating and and raising awareness. Hey, check your breast, check your breast. And now, like, just from listening to your story for someone who had family history, like, it just seems completely impossible there are lots of roadblocks you ended up obviously getting your mammogram and then um thermography now did they also say you should be genetically tested do you know if you had any genetic predisposition to breast cancer yeah for a few for i would say a majority of my you know mid-20s to late 20s i was encouraged to get genetically tested And I was really not open to it. I kind of had the mindset of what am I going to do with the test results anyways? I don't know if I want to know. Whereas, you know, the people encouraging me to get gene tested are like, hey, if you know, you can be more proactive. And so for the longest time, I was like, I'm not doing it. And then it wasn't until this last October which would be, I think, my third year of taking my annual seriously. And I was at the gyno, and I asked him about the gene test and where I could do it. At the end of our visit, he said, you can do it in my office. Just go see the nurse. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do it. I'm advocating through Tipsy for Breast Cancer. I need to act on my voice to other women. And so that's really what gave me the courage to do the gene test and move out of my previous mindset they sent it off and I actually opened the results this February thankfully I don't have any gene mutations but I do have a a, a high lifetime assessment there's a percentage mm-hmm. and if if you're 13 or below you're you're not high risk but I'm at 22 percent so I still need to be more cautious about 
of my checkups. It's funny, you know, it's almost as if like ignorance is bliss. Like you said, you didn't want to know, right? And I don't know, I, I kind of understand that too. Like sometimes like, I don't want to know because that will change. Like ultimately, if this is a, you know, like a genetic predisposition, like this changes like your mindset going forward, right? Like this, now you have to start making decisions, you know, as far as like, do you want to handle this prophylactically or, you know, just even being more cautious of everything down the line. And I kind of, I understand that. Like, I understand like it's almost as if like, not saying that like your carefree lifestyle is kind of done from there, but like, I don't know if I would want to know too. Like I'm somebody that like wants to be so informed about everything, but at the same time, like, I think I'm okay with not knowing too at the same time. Like I don't want to, it would change. It would change so much. And I, I kind of understand why you, why you, you know, kind of waited as long as you did to do the genetic testing. But yeah. congratulations on not having any. Thank you. Of, that was yeah, really, and, um, <laughs> the timing of getting my results was just next right. level. So it was definitely nice to know I didn't have any gene mutations. Do you know what type of breast cancer your mom had? Honestly, I didn't know until the conversation with, uh, her best friend in August right. of last year. And even then she wasn't 100% sure, but I know that she didn't carry the gene and it got to stage four metastatic. Her best friend described it as the most aggressive form of cancer known at that time. So in the early 90s. Wow. So yeah, my, my aunt was first diagnosed in like early 2000s and I, you know, talked to my cousin and she, she doesn't even know what type of, of breast cancer her mother had. And um, you know, like I kind of went and like asked, I was like, you know, do you know, like, did she have any genetic issues or anything? And, you know, it's like, I feel like even in the early 2000s, it wasn't like talked about all that much. And then all of a sudden here you are needing no. to know because yeah. you were diagnosed, you know, and having to figure out your family history. Right. And now too, I'm advocating, you know, even for my cousin of being like, make sure you're getting your mammograms and, you know, you did your genetic testing and all of this. And mm-hmm. um, it's all, yeah, kind of, it's, yeah, it's hard to to also navigate your own things when you don't know the previous family history. And it's hard to, I mean, my, my cousin, I think was 19 when her mom died, you know, I was in my early twenties, mm-hmm. but to not even know that now, and she's in her thirties, like almost, you don't know how to proceed. Yeah. And that says a lot, you know, about what we're trying to advocate for. Now going towards what teats deep for breast cancer is and how you created this concept but let's just go right from the beginning in february of 2021 you started a fundraiser selling stickers for your best friend nadine fernandez diagnosed with breast cancer at 31 years old there are so many people who would want to provide financial assistance to their family members or friends who were diagnosed with cancer, whether they set up like a GoFundMe, like what Shauna's friends did, or provide financial assistance because they can't afford the treatments, or even like donating to cancer research. But in my eyes, I feel that you took it one step further. And it's super inspirational. We would love to know, how did you come up with this concept? I took months to really figure out what was going to be the phrase I used as a fundraising platform. About six months of thinking about it, but not too hard. I was driving home from the grocery store one day, and it was 
the sun was setting. I just, I remember the exact moment I had the biggest aha moment. So my, my best friend Nadine and I, um, we were like best snowboard friends. Powder day buddy is the first person I called on a powder day. And if, if you've ever heard the term no friends on a powder day, it's kind of true. You usually end up riding by yourself to maximize the amount of stress snow you get. <laughs> and so, um, mm-hmm. two words came to my mind, tips deep. And it's just so relevant because breast cancer tips, uh, where, you know, yes. we're both instructors and, I thought that I could take that phrase and somehow turn it into a design to raise some money for her. How did you come up with the design? It looks super cool. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Goggles and <laughs> just so. Um, great. So yeah. I had the the artwork in my mind, but I'm not very good with graphic design. So I reached out to a girlfriend of mine who I think I only met a few months prior. And she's an artist and graphic designer, and she took what I expressed to her verbally and created this just totally badass logo. It's so badass. I love it. Nice. Well, you saw, you were like, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the logo. This is going to be like your company. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's so awesome. amazing. Did you reach out to family and friends first to sell the stickers or did you just randomly go up to random people just like started pitching I guess as to why they should purchase the sticker for a cause um I didn't have much of a plan I remember the box arrived at my doorstep I was on an airplane a few days ago sifting through my journal and I read something I wrote about receiving the stickers and I didn't write what I said out loud but I wrote and the box of six stickers arrived and I I spoke to myself out loud and (laughs) I just think that's so funny that I was so excited I was just talking to myself (laughs) but no nobody even really knew what I was doing I wasn't trying to keep it quiet I was just you know gonna I guess rock up and start doing things so I might have told like two people that I worked with at my mountain and my twin brother was visiting at the time, so he was sleeping at my house. And so he would have been the first person to see the box of stickers come in the door. So he was the official first purchaser. And because I was with him, I texted my little brother, who was the second purchaser of a sticker. From there, I stuffed stickers in my snowboard jacket. Thankfully, the pockets are big enough to fit the stickers. And I got to my home mountain, Buttermilk Mountain in Aspen. and. I was working that day and I just started selling stickers. And I think by the end of day one, we had already raised like 250 And how much were you selling it for? $5 a sticker. Nice. Yeah. So my goal was I had a box of 250 stickers. So my goal was like just under $1,300. And I was like, cool, I'm going to kill this box of stickers and then move on. After the two months of campaigning for your best friend, you created Tits Deep for breast cancer. We haven't mentioned what Tits Deep actually mean, but can you just tell the listeners what that means and why you started, why like you created this as a company? Tits Deep is a term that is used in ski and snowboard communities. 
and it's a way to describe deep powdered is, and deep means a lot of accumulation of snow. And for skiers and snowboarders, powdered is is probably the best thing in the world. And so if it's a tip-deep powder day, it's probably going to be the best day of the season because it quite literally means when the snow's up to your chest or your tip. And I've actually never been in tip-deep pow. I think the most I've ever been in is waist-deep, which is incredible. That's what the term means. And then as for turning it into a company, a quick rundown. After I ran out of my first box of stickers in five days, which is crazy, I was taking back orders, which meant I needed to order more stickers, so I ordered a box of 500. So that's when I realized it was going to be a lot bigger than what I was anticipating. And it even got to the point where my first international order, I believe, was to Australia. And it was a woman that neither myself nor Nadine knew personally. And I thought... If somebody is willing to buy a $5 sticker and have it shipped all the way to Australia for to help someone they don't even know, there's probably a lot of potential in, in helping more, more people affected by breast cancer. And now uh, there's a sticker on every continent except Asia and Antarctica, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Did you know like how they heard about Titsteep? Did you ever like reach out to them? Like, hey, how did you hear about us? Or like, why did you consider purchasing the sticker? I mean, I would be super curious. Totally. Um, so in those first couple of months, it was friends of friends. So it wasn't directly through my connections, but it would have been someone who knew me who then heard about it or through Instagram and seeing a hashtag or a tag. Okay, yeah. So then you started promoting it on Instagram as well with the hashtag. Yeah. At first, it was my personal page, and so it was just like circles of communities overlapping and finding out about Tootsie, and then it got to the point where I created an Instagram and a website, and then it was even beyond those circles, like people that I have no points of contact with. Did you ever think it was going to get as big as like it was? I'm just curious like what your mindset was at the time. I know you said that you wanted to just raise like $1,300, but were you able to meet that goal or did it exceed your goal? I had no idea it was going to get that big. And just every single day, you know, I was putting multiple hours in in between my jobs of campaigning and fulfilling mail orders. I mean, there were nights where I'd be up to like 10.30 at night putting stickers in envelopes, licking the envelopes, putting a stamp on it, writing out the addresses, um, and then going to the post office. And no, I, I had no idea, but just through the process and the momentum that built, it's the wildest journey. I, I would wake up sometimes at like 2 in the morning, just lit up with like such a vibrant energy, just being so driven and so passionate and realizing like, wow, this is every particle of my being wanted to be a part of it and help it succeed. But even then, I wasn't thinking I'd grow into a business. It's still very much about raising money for my friend at that point. And how much did you raise actually for, for your friend? 
And I would say the first two months of campaigning for her, we hit just over 11,000, and that was with the help of some friends who were kind of pseudo-ambassadors and a couple of other people who I didn't know who knew her personally who hopped on board and started selling stickers, as well as a couple of local businesses. They, uh, they put our stickers up and we're helping us sell them. It's amazing, like, the power of community and, like, even the power of social media. The amount of money you can make and just the amount of support you can get is just, it's incredible. Can we ask how uh, your friend Nadine is doing? So she actually passed away on March Oh, I'm so sorry. 13th. Jan- late January, February, March were really hard months. She found out her cancer came back in late January. She had been having symptoms, and I had been seeing her. You know, we were neighbors. I'd pass her house like two to four times a day. And slowly her health was declining, and it was a blood clot, and then it was a torn ligament in her right hip. Then she got multiple scans at her cancer center and got a call back. And I just so happened to be passing by her house, and I went to say hi. And immediately the friend that drove her to her treatment stopped me from coming into the car. And I waited until she was done with her call with her oncologist. And she was not in a good way. And I waited a week to hear back from her. And she never told me and actually found out from other friends. It was confirmed that she had stage four and it had spread to various body parts. And yeah, within two months of finding out, she passed away. Yeah, I remember, I think you guys held, I wouldn't say like a funeral, but like, I guess like in remembrance of her, I think I saw like a video that you've talked about her and said all the great things and the great memories you had together. Yeah, we had um, two celebrations of life in March. One was the week after she passed away. We organized a memorial at our home mountain and we did a ride for her. They kept the lifts open for us, and I mean, it seemed like there was over 100 people, and that was really special. I mean, it was cloudy all day, and then it started snowing, and then halfway up the chairlift, the sky was half sun and half clouds, and then we got to the top, and it started snowing, snowing, which was definitely her, and then at the bottom of the hill, we held, you know, like a memorial service, where more people could attend that couldn't make the ride, and then a week after that, we did a a hike up Highlands Bowl, which was her favorite spot. And together, it was our favorite spot. That's where we spent a lot of time together. Depending on how fast you are, it could take you, on average, 25 to 50 minutes to hike up to 12,000, over 12,000 feet. That was a really special day. And her parents were there. She was from Patagonia, Argentina. So her sister and her mom and dad were there. And yeah, it was definitely more of a celebration, which is what she would have wanted. I think it's happening more often where people do like a celebration rather than a funeral that's like tons of tears and sadness. And I feel like no one wants that, right? Like (laughs) no one wants people to cry about them. They just want to be like, yes, please celebrate our life together, celebrate memories together. That's probably what most people want at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. And it helps a little bit with the mourning process. I mean... It at least brightens the, the mood. In creating Tits Deep, you mentioned that you want to raise more awareness about breast health in young women under 40 because 
No one sits us down and shares ways to prevent, what to do, and where to go. There is shame around it. The more we speak, the more necessary changes we'll be able to make. I thought this was such a powerful statement. And I love your willingness to make changes and raise awareness about breast health. How did you become so passionate in this and continue on making this into a bigger thing than just how you started in the beginning? It's so fascinating because my whole life I felt so alienated from the breast cancer community. And it's something I've been wanting to be a part of, especially because it's affected my life so tremendously and so I think the beauty about uncovering a passion is you don't know you're passionate about something until you take action and that goes for any passion I think first it starts with an interest I guess I had an interest in my best friend and you know her cancer journey so when I first found out about Nadine's breast cancer diagnosis it was the first time in my life that I gained perspective on what my mother went through. It just really fired me up to be proactive in a way that I couldn't when I was growing up. There was nothing I could do back then. And so I made a promise to myself that I would do whatever was within my power to help my friend. And through all of that and everything that I've been doing, it has made me realize just how little young women are supported with breast cancer and medical treatment, awareness, and health. Because all of a sudden, I'm speaking out about breast cancer and awareness. You start meeting people who are willing to then open up to you about how they've been affected. So all of a sudden, there's people all around me who are you know, saying, oh, my my aunt passed away or my sister has breast cancer. And it is insane how many people coexist around you that are affected that if you're not talking about it, you'll just, you'll never know. Yeah, that's so true. Exactly. I just want every woman out there or just anyone who is affected by breast cancer, especially under 40, that they feel heard and supported and I think the more we can dive into the the work we're doing that it'll help women feel less intimidated and more encouraged to take charge on their breast health that last part that you just mentioned my personal take on it like if I wasn't diagnosed with breast cancer, I would be so intimidated. I didn't even want to hear anything about cancer. (laughs) When cancer just like popped up in the question, I just literally like take a left turn because like I was just so afraid of that. And so if anyone was talking to me about breast health and doing my exams and and all that, I, I probably wouldn't take it as seriously. But now, since I'm in this community, and unfortunately, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I feel the need to help out women, especially in my family and friends, to understand that breast health is super important. 
it is important to know your body, to do exams, to go to the doctors just to protect your health and to live longer. And so I just I just feel the need to now like protect my cousins, protect my mom, protect uh, my close friends around me. Like self-advocating. I think that that's like my big thing right now too is like, you know, we are young and like even even like from a preventative standpoint, like, you know, you're young, like people don't say like, oh, this, you know, the chances of this happening to you is is very low. And it's like, I don't, I don't think that that's really the case. The numbers are going up higher and higher every year. And, you know, pushing for like self-advocacy and like getting the tests you need and being taken seriously, I think is super important as well. Yeah. And, you know, because it's not commonly talked about still, how is it that there's so many people around us that are affected by breast cancer? But if you're not talking about it, you have no idea. I mean, that says so much. It's it's almost like it doesn't exist, but it's one of the fastest growing cancers in, in our nation, if not the world. But I guess no one really talks about like how to prevent it. And I also feel that, you know, when you go to the doctor's office, the doctor would say, hey, we should do a pap smear like every three years. But in my case, like no one mentioned to me, hey, we should do a breast exam every year, you know? So sometimes it comes from the people around you that are not really educating you on this matter. But then also it comes from the doctors too of not being proactive and say, hey, you should check your breasts every so often, at least, you know, once a month. Actually, that reminds me. So a girlfriend of mine was sharing her experience. Um, she went and got, I think, a pap smear. She's like, hey, so um, can you also check my breasts while I'm here? And they would not do it. They're like, you have to make a new appointment to get your breast checked, which you can't just, you can't just give me an exam. I mean, really, it takes, what, less than a minute for a physician to... Yeah, really? they would not do it. In like, I mean, in my experience of ever getting like going yeah. to my annual gynecology appointment, like that always is like part of it. Like a breast exam is always a part of it. Right? So yeah, me too. I've never heard that before. Again, like that's going to make somebody not make another appointment to come back yeah. to the breast exam. It's wild to me. Exactly. Well, I think that's like another, you know, like that's another part of like people staying with doctors that are not serving them well. Because, you know, their health insurance takes it or if they're paying out of pocket, it's a low cost or the work it takes to have to, like, get a referral to get a new doctor. It seems like this whole system just, like, fails young women, like, in these situations. What I was talking to my ecologist about is there is so much money going into cancer research, finding new ways to cure cancer, essentially, right? But there's not enough money going towards breast cancer prevention. And I thought that was so powerful. And that was actually one of the best conversations I had with my oncologist, because I felt that she understood what was going on in this world, essentially, with young women getting breast cancer and 
also not a lot of information of like how to prevent breast cancer either. That's amazing that um, your oncologist said that and has that kind of awareness and concern around where the the money's going. Tits Deep for Breast Cancer offers financial support and resources for early detection breast cancer services to women under 40. How many women has your company financially supported thus far? I know you're just a year old, essentially, but if you could just give us just a ballpark, that'll be fine too. Because we're still very much a startup and I didn't actually establish Tipsy as an entity until December of last year. We're still very much in the early phases of figuring out the systems to be able to help women under 40. And so a lot of it has been meetings with CEOs of hospitals and then some CEOs kind of dismissing us in a way and then, you know, being put on hold with other hospitals. And I've learned that it's not just, I'm going to go and do this. It's, you know, waiting on approval from different people within the hospital system and their foundation. And so for now, we are putting the money into the Tips Deep for Breast Cancer Fund, which that money will go to those services once we have um, our systems in place. We haven't actually helped any women in that department yet. I think there's going to be many more months to go before we reach that spot. But last year, a friend of mine reached out to me, and she asked how Tootsie could help her friend with breast cancer age 31. And essentially, we helped raise a few thousand dollars towards her friend's breast surgery. So that was really cool. You know, someone that I didn't know personally, and now there's a connection there. And it's really nice to know that people that do know about Tootsie can come to us and say, hey, we really need help. How can you help us? I mean, that totally makes sense. Like, you know, when you start a company, it takes time to get things in place. And just hearing all the things that you have to go through of getting approvals and and such, it sounds like it takes a lot of work advocating for why this is necessary, why you created this company in the first place, etc. But, you know, I am looking forward to seeing your company grow and I'm super supportive of what you do. I think is such a great idea and something that I actually haven't seen <laughs> since I was diagnosed with breast cancer, which is over a year ago now, but we appreciate what you're doing <laughs> for this community. That's awesome. That's reassuring to hear. We know that to steep for breast cancer headquarters is currently in Aspen, Colorado. Are there any upcoming events happening? I know we're like halfway into 2022, maybe even next year as well. Yeah. Um, so I haven't put any dates in the calendar yet. Um, we're kind of just segueing into the summer season here in Aspen. So we'll definitely be putting on some women's mountain bike events and we'd also like to do some women's skateboard events hopefully a yoga fundraiser 
and um, even something as simple as um, like a coffee with talk tips at one of our local coffee shops where we bring in guest speakers and host kind of like a breast cancer awareness workshop mixed in with Q&As for us to answer any questions. And the biggest um, idea of that would be to provide access to community for people to get more connected into um, the breast cancer scene and support. Majority of those events will be in Colorado, um, but I'd like to also, you know, brainstorm some virtual events so other people can be a part. Yeah. I feel like since the pandemic, like we figured out <laughs> how to do virtual events. Yeah, that that's super interesting. And, and I can't wait to see the events coming up in the near future. But how can someone support Titsteep for Breast Cancer? Some of the ways that everyone can support us is through our online website or online Instagram shop and purchasing from our merchandise. And, you know, that helps get the name out there. When you're wearing something that says Titsteep, it's going to create curiosity and open conversations for you to be able to, you know, share and advocate and Wherever you're sharing, that little bit of information could actually make a huge difference in the person's life who you're sharing with. The other way is to make a donation directly to our Tips Deep for Breast Cancer Fund through the website. There's a button on our homepage. And then the other way is by attending our events and fundraisers. You make a good point about merchandise, the sticker when someone is carrying it around, it just brings curiosity to people to want to ask, what is that? (laughs) Can you give me more information about this? And it's not just like, you know, the ribbon, because I feel like everyone knows what the fuck the ribbon is, but your logo is just very captivating. And so I would definitely think that there's just so many people out there that are probably going to be like, what is Tid Steve? you know, and then that's how you start the conversation. Yeah. I feel like it opens up doors for so many different, you know, whether it's fundraising, um, like breast health, like it opens up so many different doors of different conversations. Yeah, it really does. And I have so many instances where, again, you would never know that the person, for example, that your Uber driver was affected by breast cancer, but you've got the sticker in your backpack and then he shares with you that his sister at age 35 died of breast cancer. And so then, you know, maybe you have the opportunity to give them a sticker. And then, you know, they go, I'm totally going to put this on the back of my car. And then who's going to see that that sticker on the back of their car? And so, yeah, I mean, it, it really can be so powerful just rocking something as simple as a sticker. I know you mentioned your website, but... Can you just give the listeners how they can find your company? Yeah. So the website, titsdeepforbreastcancer.com. I would say the biggest one is our Instagram, at titsdeepforbreastcancer. And then we also do have a Facebook page, which is the same, at titsdeepforbreastcancer. Great. And we'll link um, we'll link all the information in our show notes. Is there anything else you wanted to mention? Um, 
before Shauna goes into her fun mystery question. No, ask away. You snowboard, you surf, and you also are a big yogi. Which one do you prefer the best? And which one do you recommend? I would say I'm very biased. Surfing, number one forever. <laughs> but I would say yoga. There's just so many different ways that yoga can serve an individual. And I think that not only the physicality of yoga, which has so many incredible benefits, I think more so what we learn on the mental and emotional side of yoga can serve us in so many different ways in life. And I think that the the growth that we receive, the ways that we can, you know, manage stress and anxiety, trauma, and situations in life that can be really hard to navigate. And then even um, the more positive sides, you know, like confidence and knowing your body, if we're going to loop it back to breast cancer, I didn't even realize the extent of what of my body awareness until I was um, telling a girlfriend something about my body. And to me, I was just kind of blabbing on, you know, like gossiping. And she was like, wait, Steph, you know your body that well? And I was like, oh, I guess I've been, you know, practicing yoga for so long. It's, it's kind of the second nature. And so um, if you know your body that well, you can pick up on changes and, you know, things that feel different soon enough. And then if you do, you can be more proactive about it sooner. And that could make a huge difference in the outcome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story, giving advice. I feel like there could be someone out there who resonates with your story or wants to learn more about how they could support your company as well. So thank you so much for taking the time. Yes, thank you. And thank you for, you know, everything you do for the breast cancer community. I think it's just so incredible and inspiring. Thank you all for listening and supporting our podcast. Sharing our stories with you has been incredibly healing for both of us. And we hope it helps other women in their journeys through breast cancer. Ladies, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and fellow breasties. Help us reach more women by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now on YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram at TYFTS Podcast and email us at TYFTS Podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys, so shoot us a message. We will link any resources from the episode in our show notes. 